tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Alright, and welcome back to Ross School, Episode 6. Joining us again is the lovely, wonderful, beautiful Justice Andrew. Welcome back, Justice Andrew. Hello. And yes, we are recording this in the same night, so he's just been recording with us for several hours. <laughs> this is my life Andrew's now. never coming back here again. <laughs> no, he is coming back. He okay. has to. This is my life now. So we're going to jump right into discussing classes. Listen, we're not going to be able to cover everything. There's a bunch of shit to cover. We're just going to give you a little bit of a taste of what we mean by class. So the easiest way to think about class, and this is not a great way to think about it, but it's what is your D&D job, right? Um, a lot of people will say, you're a cleric, you're a healer. Great. If you're a fighter, you're a fighter. If you're a rogue, you're going to steal shit and break into locks. Um, but of course, it's much, much, much more nuanced than that. And you do not have to fit those archetypes whatsoever. You can be a warlock who heals people. You can be a monk who does cast spells. Um, it all depends on how you decide to shape and mold your character. Um, I just want to briefly mention that you can multi-class in D&D, but we're not going to go into that because that's a very advanced topic. We'll cover that later um, after we do our sort of primary raw school stuff. Um, but I just want to quickly talk about how do you even think about picking a class? And when I DM and I have new players, what I tell them is ask yourself uh, this one question. Okay, so picture yourself as your character that you're creating right now. Um, and, and imagine that you're engaged in combat. So ask yourself this question. In what way are you contributing to this fight? So think about the character you've maybe thought of a backstory for. You've maybe picked a race. What? How is that character going to, to engage in combat? Are they going to primarily use a weapon and smash things? Or are they going to maybe stay back and like cast spells? Okay, well, if they're casting spells, are they geared more towards healing and buffing your allies or dealing massive amounts of damage or even molding and shaping the battlefield on which the encounter is taking place. All of those questions can help me narrow down the, the selection of classes into something that uh, into a few different selections that might be right for you. Importantly, like uh, there's no one class that will fit um, specifically uh, once you do that sort of decisional algorithm, I mean, I went to law school. That's how I think about things. Um, but once you go through that exercise in your head, you'll maybe get, you know, just a little handful of, of uh, classes and subclasses that might be able to, you know, guide you in picking what you want to choose. And again, a subclass, it's similar to a sub race. It's basically just a specialization of your class and it can really drastically change how you go about playing your class. And importantly, talk to your DM. Um, if you're confused or you have apprehensions about picking a class, your DM can help you. So I thought that it would be great to talk about classes broken down by, in general, how they're classified um, in, in terms of their, the abilities. So there's, there's two large categories in my mind. And again, this is just how I tend to break things down. You have non-native spellcasters, which means classes that if you don't want them to wield magic, don't have to at all. And 
rely primarily on weapon damage. That's going to be your fighters, barbarians, rogues, and monks. Then you have your spellcasters, and that's broken down further into full casters, which are clerics, druids, wizards, sorcerers, bards, and warlocks, and your half-casters, which are paladins and rangers. Now, in half-casters, there's also the artificer class, but we're not going to cover that. It's in the Eberron edition and is an official class, but we'll, you, you can look that up later if that sounds appealing to you. And what do you mean by half-caster? Sure. So whereas a full caster gets um, a vast number of spell slots to use um, um, that they can cast spells on, they have access to a very broad range of spells and they accumulate their spells rather quickly. A half caster is is basically a mix between someone who has really good fighting capabilities, but someone who can also deal magic damage. In general, they're going to have less spell slots, less spells to choose from, and it takes a much longer time for them to learn spells. And the spells known cap out at 5th level as opposed to ninth level for a full caster. So yeah. So how about we start by jumping into our non-native spellcasters, which are more of our fighting classes. Awesome, Um, let's go. Yeah. So, um, well, talking about fighting, we have fighters. Uh, Yeah. So fighters fighters are one of those deceptive classes because everyone, like, I think when I first started playing D&D and other characters, like, oh, like, fighter, that seems lame. Like, you just kind of, whatever, you just hit things like you're a fighter. I've definitely never said that on this podcast. (laughs) Fighters are quite possibly one of the most power over the long term are one of the most powerful. And in fact, some of the builds that rotate around fighters are some of the highest damaging builds ever created. Why is that? It's because fighters, as they continue to improve in their levels, based off of their experience, that they continue every so often at different breakpoints, gain an extra attack. And they continue to essentially keep gaining attacks, um, which is amazing. In combination with that, they get something super duper cool called... Action Surge? Yes, Action Surge. Which means, essentially, they get a whole nother set of attacks. They effectively can double their damage, or sort of double whatever other actions they're doing. But they can effectively yeah. double their damage if they're doing multiple attacks in a round. Yeah, so normally you would only get one action during a round of combat. But this lets you, once per short rest, not a long rest, a short rest, gives you an entire extra action to use. Which is fucking awesome. Yeah, they basically get to have two turns, which is kind right. of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they also get second win, which mm-hmm. is an insanely helpful uh, self-heal. Yes. yes, exactly. So um, they can use a bonus action to regain hit points, which are like your health points, up to 1d10 plus whatever level they are a fighter. So yep. that's an incredible skill to have when you are in the middle of a battle and about to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you're a 10th level fighter, oh, that's a 1d10 plus 10 hit points. Yeah. Fucking awesome. It's a, it's a significant amount of HP. Yeah. Um, now, I did shit on fighters a little bit earlier on in <laughs> this uh, uh, in an episode prior. However... There's a subclass called the Battlemaster, which gives you access to these really unique abilities that have all kinds of interesting effects in combat. So fighters can be really strategic and fun. Um, I just don't like them. Yeah, I don't. I don't like playing them. I should say the fighting style is a really key part of a fighter that you want to pick. You have to kind of pick pretty early on. 
Um, and so it, there's a bunch of different ones. I'm really just going to kind of talk about some of my favorites. Um, I love archery because who doesn't love shooting stuff? Essentially yeah. gives you a little bit of a bonus to all your attack rolls. So if you're building an archery based character, this is definitely the way to go. Um, if you want to carry a big ass weapon and hit stuff and just you know, Hulk smash everything, go with great weapon fighting. It gives you um, some extra bonus. Essentially, when you roll one or two on a damage die, um, you essentially get to uh, re-roll that die. So you essentially built in re-rolls whenever you roll low. Um, those are kind of two of my favorites. Yeah. But there's a lot more that you should check out. Yeah. All right. So now I want to move on to what I call the DM's bane. <laughs> barbarians. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Fucking barbarians. So I like to think of barbarians as your... <laughs> like these are these are basically your Vikings like Braveheart running into the middle of battle, slashing things and staying alive somehow magically. So, what is the key feature of a barbarian? They go into a rage. <laughs> uh, raging is and somehow awesome. having anger management issues on a battlefield is super helpful yeah. to a barbarian. Yeah, unlike, unlike everything else in your life, turns out. <laughs> Yeah, so you automatically, when you enter a rage as a bonus action, you get resistance to slashing, bludgeoning, and piercing damage, which are the most common damage types in D. Exactly. So pretty much because you're going to be most likely doing a melee, which is like hand-to-hand combat, the damage you're getting is going to be cut into half. And you just, like, you're going to be running faster. You're going to be, like... Uh, more vigilant for like traps. You get advantage on athletics checks while you're raging. Um, it really is a it, it, like it's all about power and fury and whatever. You know, it, it's all about that like hyper like I want to kill things. But again, you don't have to play it like that kind of character. Maybe their rage is something quirky and unique. Like they say, "I'm raging now," and you're <laughs> playing a gnome, and they're gonna rage. <laughs> One of the things to keep in mind for barbarians is that they have uh, what's called unarmored defense. Essentially, if they're not wearing armor, then they actually get bonus um, armor class, where they get essentially bonus defenses. Um, They can still use a shield, but basically, if you're thinking about building a barbarian, well, it's not necessarily like you don't need to not wear armor to wear uh, not wear armor but at the same time it's probably recommended to actually pick up some of that extra defense to take advantage of that especially early on in your campaign and this is another class that gets at fifth level you get to attack twice mm-hmm. extra attack yep yeah awesome um we'll definitely check out barbarians if that sounds appealing to you but now we're going to move on to one of the most i don't know just one of the most Broken. fun classes to- <laughs> Yeah, it's a little broken, but one of the most fun classes to play, the rogue. Obviously, I talk about my rogue a lot. Anna, you've talked about your rogue. Mm-hmm. Rogues are your spies, your thieves, your assassins. Um, now, the, the the rogue has two hallmark abilities that make it just such amazing fighters. At second level, they get access to cunning action, which means as a bonus action, you can take the hide, disengage, or dash action, which are typically things that you'd have to use an entire action for. In short, that just means that your character is extremely mobile on the battlefield and you could avoid really dangerous encounters with monsters. And then at first level, you get access to the beloved sneak attack. 
this means that on an increasing level, all the way up to 10d6 at 19th level, you can do an extra amount of damage if you, under certain conditions. We won't get into them because there's a lot of debate, even with <laughs> rules as written, about how those apply. Probably and a whole nother seven episodes that's, of that. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, long story short, you're, if you're a rogue, you're going to be hiding on the battlefield, trying to pop out and gain advantage, and um, you're going to be doing massive amounts of damage, especially at higher levels. So essentially all you need to know about sneak attack is that no matter what you are attacking with, if you if you have the qualifying event to be able to use sneak attack, you get to add damage, which is fantastic. And if you score a critical hit, you double it all. Yeah. <laughs> that could be up to 20d6 at 19th level on one attack. Good lord. Fucking crazy. <laughs> if, and whereas other classes sorry, Andrew, go ahead. No. Oh. Well, I was gonna say, if you are if you're a player who likes thinking a lot during your turn and likes doing a bunch of things during your turn, like I want to like go in and like position myself in a certain way and like I want to attack and then I want to hide and then I want to like use this other thing, rogues are your jam. <laughs> um I think a lot of players end up spending a lot of time. Uh, I think I think a lot of players who like thinking a lot and kind of figuring out problems and puzzles actively tend to gravitate towards rogues for that reason, because they end up it's like, well, you have to do a lot of things in the right order. And if you figure it out, it's amazing. And it just yeah. absolutely devastates the enemy and helps your players. Absolutely. So and and just as a whole, um, as a class, rogues tend to be extremely dexterous since most of the weapons they're fighting with are dexterity based weapons. Um, and they also tend to be pretty smart and pretty charismatic. Um, so things to think about when you're when you're when you're creating a rogue, but definitely mm -hmm. a really fun class to check out. And whereas other classes at fifth level might give you extra attack, these folks get uncanny dodge. Which is an amazing skill amazing. to get because you can use your reaction to have the attacks damage against you. So when you're getting attacked, it's pretty much like resistance to any damage. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and now for the last of our non-native spellcasters, the monk. Ooh, monks are fucking crazy. Um, now, monks in D&D &D are essentially your... Um, uh, uh, typically what you would think when you think of like martial arts fighter. So they are masters of their fists. So monks channel a special power source called key. And this allows them to pull off some of the most broken and fucking awesome abilities <laughs> of all classes in D and D talking about you stunning strike. Yeah. So because of that, um, it's it's this really interesting mix of abilities that you don't see really. I think they're one of the most unique actual classes compared to every everyone else. Not only are they martial fighters, sort of running up and hitting things, they have weird extra things like starting at third level, you can deflect missiles, so you can like kind of catch or knock, um, like stuff out of the air. It's like to me, monks have always been this character, but like where the developers have got together, like you want to be awesome this and just like threw it into one class <laughs> and so as a result like monks i think for in beginning players can be a little challenging because there are a lot of abilities that come online at different points and um i think monks in the beginning can be a little bit of a struggle to play because in the beginning they tend to be a little more underpowered compared to something like rogues who instantly have that sneak attack damage and start really taking things down you got to be a little patient with monks um and that's okay 
so what's so awesome about monks is that starting at second level, they can attack three times in one turn just by spending one key point um, with their flurry of blows ability. And they have one of the coolest features, slow fall. They basically negate all <laughs> falling damage, yep. which is fucking crazy. Okay. And then there are another one at fifth level that they get yes. extra attack. So if you do flurry of blows and you spend a key point, you can attack four times by the time you get to fifth level. Yeah. Yeah. The the ridiculous thing about stunning strike is that if you build your monk in a certain way, you can essentially just stun lock one opponent for an entire combat. Because then you yep. just go attack, 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 stunning strike. And if it <laughs> works, you just attack all day again. Yeah. And then it just carries over and you just constantly do that. And I have seen monks essentially just devastate one opponent um, by doing that. And you're like, okay, well, that's over. <laughs> And while they're stunned, you get advantage on all those other hits. Mm -hmm. So if you're a monk and you stun with your first attack. Yep. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I've never played in a campaign with a monk before. Yeah. Also, if you love Avatar, there is the way of the four elements. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Airbending. Yeah. I feel like it was just made for fans of Avatar. That if you like (laughs) controlling elements and using them in your attacks... um, go in that direction and you can use that discipline to actually hit things with like fire and air awesome well now we're gonna get into the arena where i know much more about (laughs) about classes (laughs) the spellcasters i love spellcasters so i primarily play spellcasters should we start with the halvesies sure yeah let's sort of like merge slowly into casting all right um so, Anna, why don't you cover the first half caster because you play yeah. one? Absolutely. I feel like this is um, a great class to pick for your first character because you get a little bit of everything. You and that can class be is... a paladin. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to say it. <laughs> yep. Sorry. I was getting there. It was a build up, Jim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it was oh, a quiz. Thought... You ruined it. Wait, did you really forget? Did you were really going to go there? No, and I, just... I definitely forgot to say okay. the name. <laughs> Everybody Keep was that. following, right? Yeah, okay. Oh, it's a paladin, guys. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, th- with this class, you get a little bit of everything. So you get to do a little bit of magic. You stop at fifth level spells, but they're still really, really great spells that you get. And you are a badass, fantastic fighter. So paladins, ah, uh, gosh, you get a lot of... okay. My two favorite things about being a paladin, divine sense and lay on hands. Okay. So divine sense gives you the ability to just like put out your feelers into the universe (laughs) and then you can pick up any undead, fiend, celestial. This may sound like it's like a really random useful skill, but I have used it. Mm -hmm. It's come in handy. It can actually help you avoid directions that have undead things. Um, and can help you in battle, but it's lay like a, on that's hands. Like a, that's like a quarter of the enemies that you run into is that list, <laughs> right? <laughs> into D and D, so it's like eh, you're probably going to be able to use it. Um, and then lay on hands is like in a paladin born into them is this magical <laughs> ability to heal. They have healing hands, you guys. So I think it's five times whatever your paladin level is. That's how many hit points you have to play with. Okay, so. Um, at, at fifth level, you have 25 hit points to play with, which means when someone is down in battle, you can use an action to literally just 
lay your hands on them and give them back hit points equal to however many you have left in your lay on hands. So mm-hmm. if you have 25 hit points and somebody goes down in battle, you give them two, you give them five, you give them whatever, boom, they, ha- they can stop making death rolls, death save rolls, and they are back up. So it's a fantastic ability that you get literally at level one. Like you just get this ability. So I love how those are your two favorite abilities. And for me, I'm like, <laughs> Divine Smite. Right. It's, for me, oh, it's gosh, always yes. going to be You're Divine right. Smite. If you, want, if you want to turn something to ash with one hit, <laughs> and like if you are someone who just loves like investing in GameStop or just like wants to go YOLO <laughs> on everything, <laughs> Divine Smite Paladins are your jam. Because basically you get to sacrifice as many spell slots as you want to directly turn into damage when you hit something. Fair it enough. Is... Okay, I think that goes to like the yeah. kind of character I play where I'm like, <laughs> yes. I like the floofy doofy role playing, no, put my feelers that, out for amazing. divine sense. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that kind of paladin is actually very much underplayed in many ways. That the, When used properly, those abilities are amazing utility. But man, divine sense. <laughs> Divine smite, smite is. Smite. Oh, sorry, divine smite. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, so you get, you get, so each like a paladin gets a certain number of spell slots, right? Like so, at at certain levels, you can cast so many spells. Divine smite lets you burn one of those, lets you use one of those in order to simply add a a roll to add to your damage. So D8. at yeah, it's a one d eight, which is a two, really high dice. 2d8 for the first, and then oh, 1d8 gosh, yeah. after and then, for every well, yeah, up Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. That is and, so much damage. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's undead or fiend, I believe, yeah. uh, you get an extra. extra d8 just for That's fucking right. free. Just cause. Yeah. yeah. So you could be doing up to like 4d8 as yeah. a second level paladin with using one divine smite on an undead hmm. or fiend. Yeah. It's I know, amazing. I know we're not talking about multiclassing, but this is one of the few classes that pure is a very pure multi-class this combined with something like sorcerer or paladins combined with warlocks are ridiculous because you take advantage of all that extra spell casting and you dump it in divine smite um i got to play my paladin dwarf uh this past tuesday for the first time in probably like six months um and i just i used divine smite i got to use all my abilities and i'm just Oh my god, I love him so much. Yeah. Um, also, think about it. You're a martial class, so you get access to that fighting style at second mm-hmm. level. Uh, at fifth level, you get an extra attack. And the paladin spell lists is great. You get access to Bless. Bless is one of the best spells oh, in the game. Fantastic. Hello. Yeah. Fucking great. So Yeah. And also, like, one of the highest starting um, armor classes as well, because you have all that armor, you can carry a right. shield and... So you're also kind of invincible in the beginning. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Your proficiencies, like certain classes will give you boosts with certain types of uh, armor or weapons or tools. So what that means is that each each character gets a proficiency bonus. You start out with a plus two as your proficiency bonus. Um But when you use these certain things, you can add that to whatever your role is and and that that's what it means when we say you are proficient in something. But for paladins, you get to be proficient in all armor, in shields, simple weapons, and martial weapons. It is Basically powerful everything. AF. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, great. I mean, we could talk about, we could gush over Paladins all yes. fucking day. We didn't even get into the auras, which are so amazing, but let's yeah. not do that. Yeah. Um, so now let's move into our second martial class, the Ranger. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we have an entire episode about Rangers recently? <laughs> <laughs> now, Rangers are exactly what they sound like, right? They're your range, stereotypically range class. Um, they're really great with bows. However, they can also be great with melee weapons, depending on how you play it. Now, my personal opinion is that Rangers, as written in the player's handbook, are the most underpowered class just because they just seem to lack some of those those really outstanding features that other classes have. But there's a bunch of uh, there's Unearthed Arcana. There's the changes that came with um, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, a, a supplement that recently came out um, that really sort of can can enhance your gameplay as a ranger. Um, but I like to think of rangers as hunters. They're your they're great at survival skills um, and uh, like tracking things down. They're great at finding food. Um, they have access to Hunter's Mark, which is this amazing spell that's similar to the Warlock's Hex ability. Let you just fucking do an extra d6 of damage if you hit just because. It's great. Um, Both paladins and rangers, fifth level, extra attack. I know we've mentioned that for a lot of classes, but it is a phenomenal feat to get um, Mm -hmm. at fifth level. You just get to attack twice, which you can deal a lot of damage that way. Yeah. So imagine if you're an archer, you know, you're a ranger that's that's focusing with a longbow. You um, you're at fifth level. You get to make two range attacks. Let's say you took the archery um, uh, martial feat. That's plus two damage. Let's say you're attacking your favored enemy, um, uh, which uh, in 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 this uh, the player's handbook gives you a plus two damage and then later on a plus four damage to a specific type of creature. Um, and then you have Hunter's Mark on top of that. You're doing a fuckload of damage on your first turn. Um, I remember specifically, Andrew, I was playing in a <laughs> yeah. one shot you did. I was playing an Air Genasi Gloomstalker. So a Gloomstalker is from uh, 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 Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which is another supplement. I crit on the first hit. We were at like level three and I did like 45 damage in one hit. Yeah. It was that fucking was insane. My fault as a DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, why did I allow this? Yeah. I was like, game? oh, I should have thought about that. Um, Rangers are interesting from their perspective. Like from, I think Rangers are like have a lot of built in role playing possibility because they have that weird, like you pick a creature type and like, that's a fascinating thing that you don't see in any other class or have done in any other class at all. Um, I think that's underplayed a lot, unfortunately. Um, but if you have a DM who's willing to work with you, I think it's a really neat thing that you can build in that, like, for example, like if you're, I don't know, if you're village, if you're growing up in a village and that village was attacked in a war between celestials and fiends and happened to get caught in the middle and some celestials ended up like blowing up your house with like a ray of light, yeah. like maybe you dedicate your entire freaking life to just hunting down celestials. <laughs> um, oh my God, you could be a tiefling ranger and yeah. hate celestials. That would be yeah. fucking awesome. Ooh. Yeah. And so like it does, it's one of those cool things that doesn't play it like for the most part, it doesn't really matter. And then all of a sudden, like when they have to, when your party has to go interact with Celestials, like, boom, you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I think Rangers can be a lot of fun. I do have a warning for newer players. A lot of newer players look at Beastmaster and it looks and it sounds awesome. Beastmaster consistently in many polls by many professionals and many um, DMs and players has been consistently rated as the worst and the weakest subclass um, among all archetypes. And 
part of that is just because how it scales. Um, the short version of that is like you get a ranger companion, which again sounds super awesome. That ranger companion really doesn't level with you as well. Um, so for those again fans, big fans of Critical Role of season one, um, Vexalia had to- um, trinket, 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 trinket for a very good reason got demolished in every single fight <laughs> because Vexalia was a like he like uh, trinket was a ranger companion, and so every time he showed up, boom, he was gone, yep. and that typically is the experience of Beastmaster <laughs> Rangers. Unfortunately, yep. that has been addressed in Unearth Arcana as well as some Tasha stuff. So again, if you want to play that. Definitely work with your DM. They should be able to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now we're going to get really into the spellcasting. Y'all, we're going to talk about full casters. And I'm going oh. to start with, with Anna's probably favorite <laughs> class ever, the bard. The um, bard. So Anna, do you okay. want to tell us about what a bard is? Absolutely. I mean, if you've watched, what's it called? A witcher? The Witcher. Mm -hmm. Yes, you Mm -hmm. know that bards are now like super famous thanks to that show. But bards are, they are charisma in a person, right? Like they are charisma personified. They can be storytellers, they can be performers, they can be musicians. And uh, they are such a fun class to play. Okay, so if you are in this because you love the idea of role-playing to the extreme, Bard is definitely the way to go. I mean, you are bringing the, like, joy to your campaign group, okay? So, and that's not to say that they are a weak class when it comes to power, because they have a lot of stuff that can help your group a lot. And number one thing is the Bardic Inspiration, okay? So I love Bardic Inspiration. You get a certain number of dice that essentially you do a little like performance and you can hand out to your fellow players. And it's, uh, I, th- I believe it starts out as a D8. Uh, and you. D6. Oh, that's right. Okay. It yep. starts out at a D6, but as as you increase in levels, it goes to a D8 and then a D10 and then a D12. Um, and essentially, you, you do whatever your skill is. And in my campaigns, because I am a musician as a bard, I will literally do song parodies, mm-hmm. singing about whatever is happening in the battle at the time. And then I hand my because I'm uh, a higher level, I hand my D8 to a fellow player. They can now add that roll to an attack roll, to a saving throw, or to an ability check. So it's extremely great for those natural ones that are a disaster. Well, they're probably not going to help a ton with your natural ones, but with your low rolls where you are like on the cusp of being able to hit on an attack, a D8 is a lifesaver. A D6 can be a lifesaver in the, in those times. And we just played our one of our, our Yawning Portal campaign. Was it this past Saturday or two Saturdays ago? Past Saturday. Past Saturday. Um, And you inspired Umbra. And the only reason I hit was because I rolled an eight on that D8. Um, and I otherwise would have missed a really critical shot. So thank you. And um, at starting at third level, um, you get to pick a, essentially a bard college that you go to. So College of Lore or College of Valor. What this means is that you kind of pick your specialty as a bard. And because you have a particular specialty, you gain benefits from that. So College of Lore means that naturally you're like a 
a storyteller. You can you can spin your words. And because you pick that kind of college, you get something called cutting words, a very powerful uh, skill um, that can definitely do its damage when necessary. But a bard is just a ton of fun to play. So if you're there to just like really have a good time, do your magic and they get access to to, to decent spells, but they oh, also yeah. get access to magical secrets, um, which at what what is that? Tenth level? Tenth, tenth level mm-hmm. or tenth sixth level. level if you're a lore bard. Yeah. Yeah. Um and magical secrets means that you get to pick from any class. So literally yeah. anybody that any of the spells in the back, that's what you get to pick from, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I've I've always viewed because of things like uh, because all the built-in things like jack of all trades, where you get to like mm-hmm. basically add extra bonuses to skill checks, even things that you don't specialize in. I've always thought about bards as like sort of the Swiss Army knife. So if you like play other games where you're like a support, where you love being support or utility characters who just like absolutely dominate, like this is a really great way because you have so many choices that you can focus more on magic. You can pick up different spells. You can pretty much do every skill check there is yeah. probably mm-hmm. better than all of your other all the other characters in your party and do them like while telling a joke or while doing a performance <laughs> um and so if you like those things then i think bards are really great uh especially for sort of party like to really help the party out but again you can also get the take the spotlight as well so yeah nice. i like to i like to think of bards if you're a video game player like a final fantasy player i like to think of bards as like your blue mage they kind of have access to a really odd assortment of spells um from all different uh uh classes and schools um and a lot of them are like battlefield manipulation spells Mm -hmm. interesting buff spells or debuff spells like they have access to heat metal which is one of my favorite spells um just because it's just because it's hilarious to like make someone's armor go on fire yeah um uh but bards there's just so much great role-playing opportunities and uh talking about multi-classing i if you are ever playing in like a high level campaign one shot or something think about a rogue bard multi-class to start off taking rogue you get that expertise at first level then take at least three levels of bard get expertise at second a third level plus that bard school oh my god that would be such a f- and a fun character to role play. You're like that bard that sings, and while they're singing, they steal shit from people. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. walk around through a crowd, yeah, playing, busking and right? singing a song while you're picking pockets. It's great. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And jumping back to bardic inspiration, like mechanically, it is probably one of the most powerful hands down mechanics that exists in a class. Yeah. Um, nothing else gives you that level of advantage pretty much all the time for free. Awesome. Well, moving right along, let's head over from the performers to the prayers. Let's head over <laughs> into cleric territory. Um, clerics are, at least on their face, what they sound like. They are your divine, your key divine spellcasters. They get access to a ton of healing spells, um, spells to revive dead characters. Not just characters that have lost hit points, but characters that are fully dead. Um, and they also have this special connection to a god. Now, Andrew was talking before a little bit about great roleplay opportunities for rangers. Think about all of the amazing roleplay opportunities for clerics. You get to pick from this huge pantheon of gods. You might even work with your DM to create your own god um, or pick a god from like another genre or something. And you get a special connection to that god who has granted you these special powers. Um, 
the hallmarks of a uh, a cleric are their channel divinity, which they get right at second level. It's this special ability they get to to just do this cool thing in combat. Um, a, a very stereotypical cleric is your life cleric. Uh, they get this ability to to deal out massive amounts of healing to mm-hmm. a bunch of their party members at second level. It's fucking great. Um, and you get that back on a short rest. Um, in addition, again, not to talk about multiclassing too much, but clerics are a great class to multiclass because they get access to their special um, subclass at first level. And they also give you access to um, or proficiency in light and medium armor and shields. So um, I play a wizard cleric. That's my Inky, my tiefling. Uh, he is a wizard cleric multiclass um, and he is has this great assortment of spells and also like defensive uh, capabilities. I think twice now in one shots, I have played a life cleric and they are just so friggin' useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just amazing uh, ability to help the other folks in your campaign. Um, My life clerics weren't, weren't super fighty, but (laughs) when you are, you're in a battle those hit points, man, they, you got to keep your fighters alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've definitely run games and campaigns where life clerics have been very clutch in a lot of ways. And on top of that, like, in addition, if you're like, oh, I want to play cleric, like, that sounds cool, but then also I don't want to, like, heal. There are other sort of other versions, too. There's sort oh, of yeah. war clerics and arcane clerics. Um, I really like the channel divinity um, ability of turn undead. It's very specific. <laughs> And you have to like <laughs> hope that you ascend because whenever it works, it's amazing. It's essentially what happens is when you activate it um, within 30 feet, any undead that kind of see you have to basically just run away from you. <laughs> right. Um, so it's a great ability if you're in the middle of an undead crowd. Now, if that never, ever happens in your campaign, it's the most just crushing, disappointing <laughs> ability to ever have because you're like, it's never happening. So use your judgment. Hey, I- I played a I played a life cleric in a Halloween one shot, so yeah. you better yeah. believe that yeah. was a useful fucking yes. skill. <laughs> Halloween one shot, definitely go cleric or <laughs> yeah. And clerics also get access to one of my favorite abilities in D anD D, divine intervention, and it's li- <laughs> at tenth level, so it's pretty late on, but. It's literally what it sounds like. They can literally, if they roll high, uh, low enough on a D100 roll, so it's out of 100, not 20, um, they have to roll their level or lower in order for it to succeed. But they literally, if they succeed, their god intervenes in whatever they're trying to do. A god fucking comes in, can come into combat and just like deal a massive amount of damage or like <laughs> raise everyone up from the dead or do something super fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and also don't think clerics are weak. Clerics have access to some of the most useful spells ever. Spiritual weapon, letting you do weapon attacks as a bonus right. action. That's not a concentration spell. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, spirit guardians. Holy oh fuck. God. I'm not going to tell you about it. Go there look it are up. so many blogs about it's, spirit guardians. Oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. Flame strike or whatever it is where the columns of fire come down. I mean, plane shift. There are so many amazing abilities that clerics get. So, if you're a first-time player, clerics tend to be kind of a safe bet because they're not really expected to be the the heavy damage dealers. But damn, is it fun when you can like deal mm-hmm. a bunch of damage and then your barbarian and fighter are like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Awesome. All right, well, let's keep on going. Now let's go from the divine to the more natural magic, the druid. The druid. Mm. I mean, can we even talk about druid without talking about the awesomeness that is wild shape? Okay. We're, no, we, you can't. We're not going to talk about moon druids because I'm going to get fucking angry because they are overpowered. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're they're broken as fuck, and that's just how they are. Um, druids are, you know how we talked about rangers being like in touch with nature? Well, druids like are nature, basically. Yeah. Um, they are some of the most useful characters. They get access to like this broad range of spells that are extremely useful. They can fucking teleport through trees. What? Yeah. What? That's yeah. fucking crazy. They can pretty much, like, if you put them in a forest with a bunch of animals, there's a bunch of spells that druids can use and be like, can I talk to them? Can I use them as messengers? Can I, like, do all of these <laughs> yeah. things? Which drives your DM crazy because you're like, I don't. Yeah, sure. There's a squirrel. Go, go ask, <laughs> go ask Rogers the squirrel where the dragon is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so uh, now, of course, we have to talk about the wild shape. You literally mm-hmm. can just transform into a beast as an action, unless you're a moon druid, in which case it's a bonus action. Listen, if your DM, lets you, <laughs> if your DM is like, yeah, you can play a moon druid, great, play a moon druid. You want to play a moon druid? You can turn into elementals at higher levels. It's fucking yeah. insane. Yeah. The famous Keyleth from Critical Role Campaign One was a moon druid and like never died because she was fucking crazy powerful. Yeah, and so people when the people first hear about moon druids who haven't played, they're like, well, why is it so powerful? The short version is this. When you wild shape into another creature, you take its HP. Well, you don't change back. You're not forced to change back until you choose to change back. Or if you're in combat and something keeps hitting you, you're not forced to change back until that creature's HP goes to zero. Then you go back to your own form at full HP, or at least wherever you started. So it's essentially, that's why people like it and why DMs hate it. It's essentially an entire free hp pool um that you get to basically just abuse <laughs> and you get to be in battle as like some friggin' animal yeah. which is so fun yeah. you could be like a dire wolf or like a snake <laughs> or yeah. a regular wolf or an owl like <laughs> um, um he's like a beast boy from uh justice league <laughs> and uh Again, druids just have a really interesting spell list, um, and they can just do so many useful things. Um, I just love all the roleplay opportunities that exist with druids and their their communing with nature um, and being able to do really cool stuff. Um, they can also just fucking kick ass. Druids are great. I really want to play one in a long-term campaign. So, um, yeah. Um, well... I don't know that I have too much more to say about druids, except go look them up because they're great. Um, <laughs> but now and they're fun to play. Yeah, why don't we head over to Sorcerer Land? Hmm. I've never played a sorcerer. It's the one class. Never in played D&D. a sorcerer. It's the one class in D and D. I oh, haven't. Andrew, you famously play a sorcerer. Why don't you I... tell us about the sorcerer? Sorcerers are, I love sorcerers ever since way back when, because the idea of just waking up, it's essentially you're a freaking superhero with magic. You just, (laughs) one day you're like, I can cast shit. I have no idea how any of this works. And because of that, you have essentially compared to wizards, you have sort of fewer selections. 
but you can just spam a nice handful of spells. So if you're someone who kind of like likes thinking about things instinctually or just doesn't feel like thinking but wants to cast spells all the time, um, sorcerers are great because they're this nice mix of uh, abilities where you can not only have these sort of set number of spell slots as you increase, um, on top of that you have what's awesome are sorcerer points that feed into meta magic. Now, what's meta magic? The short version is you get weird special abilities that lets you that let you manipulate the base qualities or characteristics of magic itself. No one else can do that, so screw all of you. <laughs> well, unless you take the meta magic feat, introduce in Tasha's butt. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like some of the more common ones is something like twin spell. Yes, you heard it right twinned spell meaning that for certain <laughs> kinds of spells you can actually double them but you have to is, you have to kill twins with it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's just <laughs> order 66 joking. but for twins um <laughs> yeah so there are certain spells that you can just straight up just twin so like haste one of already an incredibly powerful spell you can twin um the other other things I actually like using are things like Quicken Spell, which allow you to speed up a spell, essentially to let potentially let you cast it um, more than one spell. There's a lot of rules around that, um, but it can become really powerful. And then finally, one of my more favorite meta magics, and there's several, but one of my more favorite meta magic um, abilities is actually Subtle Spell. Like, no one takes Subtle Spell. <laughs> But I absolutely love it because you can essentially um, cast any spell without using any somatic or verbal components. Um, so you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything as a sorcerer for those spells. You can just go, done. And yep. that was me casting a spell. <laughs> yep. In role play, it's absolutely an amazing thing um, to use. So that's kind of my soapbox on sorcerers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Quicken Spell... It seems just like the best to me because being able to turn your an action spell into a bonus action spell is so 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 useful. Yeah, if you want to do like two big things, right? And so like, many of those powerful spells are always actions versus bonus actions, right? So. Like cast fireball as a bonus action and then cast fire bolt as an action because you can cast <laughs> a cantrip and a spell in the same turn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think one of the most fun things about sorcerers has got to be the wild magic sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, so wild magic sorcerers <laughs> have this insane. <laughs> thing where like when they we cast, cray yeah you cray and it's gonna play one in my harry potter game. i know excited um like <laughs> they're awesome so basically with a wild magic sorcerer you have an ability to is it like regain spell slots or or whatever i don't know you, you can do all this stuff with with wild magic yeah, but you, but you it basically means, yeah you use your ability to get advantage on an attack roll from a spell uh, cast, that's what it right um, but, but then there's this cost right and any time which means any time you cast a spell at first level or higher the dm can make you roll on this table with a d100 and any number of things can happen your hair can fall out your teeth can <laughs> fall out you could fall asleep you could turn into a potted plant um, these are literal ones from the list or but good things can happen too <laughs> right good things yeah. can happen like you you gain like the effects of the blur spell or terrible things can happen like you cast fireball on yourself yeah <laughs> and so one of the things especially as a newer player you need to talk about 
if you want to go wild magic, you definitely have to work with your DM and let your players know. Um, so, for example, if you have a wild magic surge, then you have to roll d20 technically. And if you roll one, then right. you actually have to flip to the wild magic table. But Joe is right. So one of I actually have a little special thing as a DM that I had to modify because truly that means at level one, if you somehow roll the right thing, you end up casting a full fireball yeah. um, on your spot. It's not even like, oh, I get to aim this. It's just where you are as a fireball now, which is 8d8 damage. Yeah. Um, that can potentially kill an entire party, especially in the first three <laughs> levels. Yeah, 8d6. Yeah. I mean, like, that, it, that could yeah. like decimate a first level party. So ooh, yes. be careful. Um, so yeah, work with Or something awesome can happen. Like if you roll uh, <laughs> within the range of 65 to 66, up to three creatures you choose within 30 feet of you take 4d10 lightning damage. Yeah. That just sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or something neat and like kind of weird happens. Like you're surrounded by faint ethereal music for the next minute. <laughs> yeah. So, and what's the fun thing is, is that your DM might actually pull a random table created on the internet by, yep. by D&D players. So, which I did. And with in recently in my pirate campaign with Heather, she, she rolled on it. And the effect was that a voice um, appeared and at initiative 20 every round just berated her. So I literally just had it be a voice of a friend she went to high school with who was like a huge bitch and was like, oh, my God, you're like the worst sorcerer ever. And I literally had to do that every round. So thank you, Wild Magic. No, knowing Heather, that really kind of hurts my heart a little bit. I know. It was hilarious. Everyone was just laughing their ass off. So yay, sorcerers. Yeah. Well, maybe going hand in hand with sorcerers, a lot of people tend to equate them, sorcerers and wizards so whereas sorcerers as andrew said are more of your like innate spell casters they have this magic imbued within them they don't get it granted by any like god or knowledge um wizards are your arcane uh students of magic they learn spells progressively that they write down in a book a grimoire that they get from first level and um they can fill that book with a ton of spells and potentially have access to almost every spell on the wizard spell list if they get lucky. Um, what makes wizards so unique compared to other classes is that a wizard uh, can write down spells in their spell book and, and have access to those spells. But if that spell is a ritual, which means you can, if you're a ritual caster, you can spend 10 extra minutes casting that spell and not use a spell slot. For other classes, you have to have that spell prepared like a cleric or druid. For a wizard, you don't. As long as that spell is in your spell book, you can cast it as a ritual and have all the all these other spells prepared that are more useful. So wizards are just extremely versatile spellcasters. Um, I've always, we'll I've always about, thought about... Go ahead. I was just going to say, we'll talk later about um, like spell lists and what, what right. it means to have prepared a spell. But just know that having the ability to have spells outside of your prepared list for each day or each turn or whatever is an extremely helpful skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always thought about wizards to tie it to the whole law school. I've always thought about wizards as just those those people who just cally every single freaking class in your year. Just... <laughs> You're like, oh man, you just you just try a lot harder than I do. <laughs> like, good for you. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah, I think those I, are wizards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wizards just they have access to the broadest spell list in D and D. Um, they 
they can really be turned and morphed into anything. Um, I, I believe they have the largest number of subclasses and each of those subclasses are based on the different schools of magic. And there's a few additional ones as well. But um, I, I, I'm playing this character Inky when he reaches third level. He, again, he's a multi-class wizard cleric. He's going to be a necromancer. And I just think that's so fucking neat to like be able to play with death and the undead. Um and yeah, you really just get access to so many interesting things as a wizard. Yeah. If you're someone who really like, even though wizards can be kind of, wizards are kind of a challenging class in some ways, honestly, to start out with. Not to say that you can't. However, it can be mitigated that if you're a huge fan of Harry Potter, um, wizards actually learn sort of spells according to different schools. And they're exactly kind of like in Harry Potter. So there's like conjuration, abjuration, enchantment, and like all that. And some of that knowledge actually kind of carries over, which is kind of nice. Awesome. I think we only have one more left. Yeah. The Warlock. Yes. A funny story. So Anna, you had mentioned when we were talking about cl- in the episode about um, when Joe asked us what's your favorite class, you're like, have we ever seen a Warlock? You played a character that had one level of of warlock i did yeah your cleric your asmr cleric had one level of oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so warlocks are kind of this really unique class um they don't cast spells in the same way other classes do or rather they don't have access to the same number of spell slots so while most spellcasters um uh, they get access to a lot of spell slots over time that regenerate only after a long rest, so think sort of like every day, warlocks have a more limited number of slots to use, but they regenerate on a short rest. Um, and and warlocks just have access to super unique spells. Um, they're one of the only classes that can cast Hellish Rebuke, which I talked about before, that spell that tieflings get, but they also get access to Hex, one of my favorite spells in D&D, which similar to Hunter's Mark, gives you not only gives you an extra 1d6 of necrotic damage when you hit but you can give the creature disadvantage on ability checks of a certain uh, ability modifier which means if you're fighting a super strong creature that likes to grapple things you give it disadvantage on strength based ability checks and it's going to have a really hard time grappling your party members Warlocks are interesting because um, I've alluded to, like, I talked about sort of rangers having, like, in these RP elements built in. It's almost as, as if someone was like, you know what, we're just going to build a character that's based around a story. And that is warlocks. Mm-hmm. Because the way they derive their powers is from making these packs with, like, these weird, like, demigod patron things. And there's a bunch of different kinds that you can make packs with. And the funny thing is, like, your warlock shows up in the party and, like, no one knows this about them. Like, at some point in their lives or some point down, like, during the game, like, the warlock makes a pact with this, like, sort of demigod-like being that's sort of floating out there. And that's how they get their powers. Um, That has an amazing sort of RP element built in that most players that I've seen play it, they don't go... I'm a warlock. I made a pact with the Archfey. Here we go. Like right. this slowly, it's a nice slow reveal of like, wait, why can you do that? That's not magic. Like, why can you just stare at someone and hypnotize them? That's freaking <laughs> weird. It's like, well, long story. Yeah, they get a lot of um like different benefits to make up for the fact that I think they the highest spell that they can cast is fifth level, yeah. right? 
Well, yeah. they they can cast higher level spells, but the only um uh spell slot they have access to right. is a fifth level spell. They get this thing called Mystic Arcanum, which can give them a ninth level spell, but but I, th- I believe it's only like one, and it's it's it, it's a certain way that that the spell is prepared, and it gets into like the the mechanics of it. Yeah. Yeah, warlocks are kind of like the like they're like the all inclusive resort of pure spellcasters. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like I don't know, I just want to like I want to make like three decisions, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but I want to cast spells. Like warlocks actually kind of a really good choice because with yeah. like sorcerers and wizards, you have to go, like go through spell books, look at levels and slots. Like, warlocks like there's only a couple things you have to think about, but hey, you get to cast. And what makes um, Warlock so interesting is that in addition to their subclass, they have something called a Pact Boon, which is just like this really powerful special ability that's like almost like a second subclass you can choose. And they also have access to Eldritch Invocations, which mm-hmm. can be used starting at second level um, and you get an increasing number of them going on. There are these static effects that stay with your character. So um, Umbra, my Warlock Rogue, uh, her she has this ability called Devil Sight that lets her see through all darkness, including magical darkness, at a range of 120 feet, which is super fucking powerful. When you combine it with the fact that as a warlock, she knows the darkness spell, which means I cast a bubble of darkness, I stand inside it, I shoot creatures from inside it, and I have advantage on everything, and it's fucking awesome. And she's the only one that can see. <laughs> and I'm the only one that can see, right. Um, but they really I just... There's so many unique ways to use that, that it, it it just makes them much more complex than they appear. And again, I think I talked on the previous episode about how they're they're kind of the hardest class, in my opinion, to really make work in that unique kind of way. And this is part of the reason why is that they have access to so many different types of things that when they work together just right, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that explains the popularity of the Eldritch uh blast mm-hmm. warlock because like so many people have built it and it's incredibly effective and actually honestly for like a first build and you're like i don't know what i want to do and what i want to cast but i don't want to make like i don't want to think about it too much genuinely an eldritch blast warlock is actually a pretty good choice if you want to go the casting route because you still get some access to magic so you right. get to learn a little bit of how that works in a slightly different way but then basically from pretty early on like level two on you constantly kill things at 120 feet by pointing at them and shooting beams of energy yeah well yeah that was uh that was a lot of information over the last two episodes but now our listeners know the basics of races and class so you are now well on your way to being able to pick what you want to become in your character yeah um so join us next week when we do a topic we haven't picked yet but well, we'll <laughs> class is dismissed yeah we'll continue on on the route of character creation and maybe get into some of the nitty-gritty about what are ability scores and how mm-hmm. does all that what how do you fill out the daunting character sheet dun, dun, dun. so yeah. yeah and thank you andrew for joining us yes. for the for the past two rascal episodes and our last week's uh raw order episode no, it's been a lot of fun. Again, I love supporting and sort of thinking about the way you all think about these things, especially because I've been playing for a relatively long time. But then have you had to kind of put this really clever and very neat sort of spin on your analyses? I think it's actually really made me sort of rethink some several rules and kind of how I approach a couple uh, scenarios. So, yeah. No, thanks for having well, me thanks, on. Andrew. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> well, this is we'll not the last. We'll definitely have you back. Yeah, this is not the last. We'll see you again. All right, everyone. All right. 
Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.